Hey, welcome to the Church Explained podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. Today, we're joined with Derek Smith, the whole way from Bolton. We are. Welcome, Derek. Yes. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's actually snowing in Bolton wow. as we speak, you know, so just to let you know. Come on, come on. Well, a um, little bit about Derek. Derek leads King's Church and uh, they are in Bolton. Uh, but also in Wigan, Blackpool, Salford, Gateshead, and they also have a Persian campus. I think I got all that right, did I, Derek? You did. Uh, listen, you did that well. I'm thinking of giving you a job. You did that oh. well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. He, he's open for offers, yeah, yeah. as long as the pay's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he also uh, is a avid Bolton Wanderers fan, which means nothing to most of our audience, right. but uh, they used to be in the Premier League. And uh, Derek, my first question to you is, have you ever eaten a Wigan kebab? Uh, I have eaten many Wigan kebabs over the year, uh, hence the size of my belly. Um, yes, a Wigan kebab for all those listening that are Southerners and uh, not educated in really Michelin star cooking is basically <laughs> a pie uh, between two pieces of bread. Um, we call we call them in this barm barm cakes in North of England. So it's a pie on a barm. That's a Wigan kebab. Or a pie, <laughs> pie on a cob. Pie on a cob. You, you call yeah. it a cob here. Okay, you can, yeah. We call it a bam cake in, in, in the Northwest. Uh, and for the rest of the world, hey, just pretend you haven't heard that. Yeah. And we'll, be all, yeah. we'll all be all right. Search Google for a <laughs> Wigan kebab. Yeah, yeah. yeah, fantastic. Hey, well, it's great to have you with us. Listen, can I just say for all those of offended from the south of England, Please still come to Awaken later in yeah. the year. We do want you to book in. <laughs> you are still welcome to the conference. Yep. Hey, Derek, let's find out a little bit more about you then. Tell us a little bit about your story and your sort of faith story and maybe even your sort of journey in the ministry. Uh, yes, I was born in Bolton. I've lived here for 57 years. I was born in 1965. Wow. Um, and I, became a, I had no church background, became a Christian as a 19-year-old. Um, and very quickly, probably within the next 12 months after becoming a Christian, felt a sense I wanted to do something for God, but didn't really know what that was. Um, And uh, as to whether I've been called into ministry, um, I clearly have, but it wasn't a Damascus Road experience for me. It's been years and years of kept saying Mm -hmm. yes to God, where, you know, I was a Christian a few months and he said, would you move some chairs? So I said, yeah. And then they said, would you run the tuck shop of the youth? And I said, yeah. And then they said, would you come on the youth team? And I said, yeah. And then they said, would you lead the youth team? And then I said, yeah. And then would you like to do some formal training? Yeah. Would you like to be a campus part, uh, a youth pastor? Yeah. Would you like to be an assistant pastor? Yeah. Would you like to be an executive pastor? Yeah. And then... I felt God asked me, do you want to be a senior pastor? I said, go on, I'll give it a whirl. So really, it's been, it, it's been, it's been 30 odd years. I've just kept saying yes. And um, so I don't know if I set out to be a campus pastor or a pastor or a senior pastor. I just set out to serve God. And this is where I've ended up. Yeah. Amazing. Derek, would you uh, just, uh, for the listeners, explain a little bit about your family and also uh, give us a little bit of context around Bolton and the kind of area Bolton is? 
Bolton is a big former industrial town in the north of England. It's one as population, it's one of the biggest towns in Western Europe. In in uh, amount of people that live here, there's quarter of a million people live in Bolton. Um, it's uh, it was key part of the industrial revolution, so it has lots of mills and um, uh, so right from like late sixties, seventies, it was in decline. All through the seventies, the eighties, into the nineties, it was in decline. And then like lots of places in the north of England, it's had to kind of rebuild, repurpose. So Bolton yeah. is a very beautiful place. I love it. It's got a lot of uh, multiculturalism. We have eighty thousand Muslims in Bolton, um, generally from uh, the India Pakistan region, so South Asia, um, and it's a great place. It's very multicultural. Um, it's coming back. It's finding its feet. Um, it's a great place to live. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 a good place, and uh, I love it. And uh, I've lived here for fifty seven years, so. I must like something about it anyway. <laughs> You're still there. And your family? Tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah. I have one wife uh, and two children. Um, my wife, Georgina, works with me. She kind of senior pastors uh, or the church with me. And then I have two children, Abigail, who's 30. She's a solicitor and she works uh, in London, but she mm. actually lives in Coventry. And she commutes. Um, so they, uh, she's married. They've got a little girl who's wow. six, seven weeks old. Um, congratulations. My first granddaughter. And then I have a son um, who is, um, is 26. And he is an area manager for Aldi um, in, around the Hemel Hempstead. So he's just recently taken a new job. <laughs> so he's moving out. So we are empty nesters. Hallelujah. It's taken a long time, but we, me and Georgina now have the run of our own house. We can eat when we want and watch what we want on television. So that's good. Yeah, that's 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 my family. Uh, that's why you're smiling so much today. That's <laughs> yeah, what it yeah. is. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and Derek, tell us a little bit about, um, obviously you, you've mentioned you're the senior leader for Keynes Church. How long have you been in that role? What's, what's that like? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, Kings is 17 years old um, from scratch. We, uh, myself and my wife and two other couples, birthed Kings in 2005, uh, November 2005, we started it. We started in my front room, moved to a little coffee shop, um, moved to a library, then we moved to a tennis centre. We've been in schools. We've had in total both Sunday and midweek. Uh, about 25 different venues over wow. um, that period of time. And uh, the first few years, probably the first five years, um, were quite slow growth. It probably took us five years to get a regular 60 people on a Sunday. Mm. Um, and then the next five years, we saw um, real good growth. So it took five years to get to um, maybe 60 people. And then the next five years, we got to three or 400 mm. pretty quickly. Mm. Um, so I don't know particularly what we did differently. Um, I think it coincided with me going full-time, which was which was helpful because I could work on the church. Um, during that time, um, I always felt in my heart I wanted to have a multi-site church because um, for, for really for two key reasons. One is it gives more opportunities mm. for ministry. And secondly, it's the best way to, to evangelise, I think, is to plant a church um, and to, great, uh, to build a great church. It, it, it mm. spreads your influence and spreads your impact. 
so um, we uh, five or six years ago, we started our second campus in Wigan. And then we started our third campus in Blackpool. And then our fourth campus um, was our Persian campus. And then our fifth campus was uh, our latest campus was just before lockdown, which was Gateshead. So we have five campuses in the Bolton. So we call it six campuses. And we are just working on what we do now, moving forward for the campuses um, and where we want to go and what we want to establish. It's mm. taken us probably two years to recover um, after COVID. Uh, we took massive hits in COVID. We just moved into a huge building in Bolton, uh, an old industrial mill that we've taken over that was a, a big hit moving into COVID financially. Had to recover from that. Um, I have some good campus pastors. Um, and they all relate into us. And a campus pastor is, uh, it's its far easier, I think, than running an independent church because you don't oversee the finances, you don't oversee the preaching programme. You're there in your campus to replicate the vision of the whole thing. Um, so how I word it, without being disrespectful to my campus pastors, because they're all brilliant, is my campus pastors are not there to be an in, uh, an um, they're not there to be their independent voice. They're there to reflect the voice of the organisation. Um, and it's working really well for us. Um, it allows people to come and do ministry for all the right reasons. So a campus pastor spends time on preaching, teaching and pastoring people. And all the other stuff that you don't go into ministry for, like governance and HR and risk assessments and financial planning and budgets and spreadsheets. We do all that centrally. Um, so the campus pastors, yeah, the campus pastors can get on with what they want to do and we run everything centrally from Bolton. So that's the model. Uh, we haven't got it perfect. We're, we're learning every day how to get it a bit better. We, we are committed to the model. We know it's not for everybody, but it, it works well for us. Great. I wonder, I wonder just on that whole campus pastor thing, um, interesting, obviously you're saying you not being um, like an independent voice, but being your voice, taking your vision. So how would you um, help your campus pastors to do that effectively, you know, in the everyday running of church and campuses? Well, our campus pastors meet every Wednesday. Um, I've just come out of a meeting a couple of minutes ago, and we met for a couple of hours to pray, talk about stuff. So we meet regularly together. We also meet regularly individually with me and Georgina, where I go through stuff. On the Sunday ministry, because I decide what we preach on uh, across all our campuses, and I decide who preaches it. So all those things are still run centrally by me. But when I when I decide what's going to be the next teaching series, I will pull all the campus pastors together and we will discuss um, how we put that together. So we'll put, I call it a synopsis. Uh, the synopsis of what we're preaching we'll put together. So the next one we're doing, we're currently doing a January series called As For Me from uh, Joshua 24 verse 15 where Joshua said to the nation, As For Me and My House Will Serve The Lord. So we're doing a four-week series on that. And then we're going to go into an eight-week up until Easter discipleship series. So um, on Thursday night this week, I've got the campus pastors coming together and we're going to discuss, right, what, what, what do we think of the priorities in discipleship? How are we going to do that? And they'll, they'll have some input in that. Then, then, the, then the synopsis will be written up. 
And then the synopsis goes out to the campus pastor or whoever's preaching it. And it's kind of guidelines of what we're looking for. They can then bring their own flavor to it and put their own illustrations in. As long as they don't deviate too much and just um, use it as a heading and then go and preach something totally differently. But then I listen to every few weeks, I'll listen to a couple of podcasts from my campus pastors um, to make sure that they're in line with the whole thing. Um, but it takes a bit of time because campus pastors, the challenge for them is, uh, and we're working on this all the time, is I don't want them to feel like they're preaching secondhand vision, where it's not really their revelation, they're preaching my revelation, which is true. But we, we work hard to get collaboration in the text so that when we do preach it, and I think most of the time we get it right, the campus pastors, when they preach it, they feel it's part of them. They've had ownership of it, and they get what we're trying to say. Um, but it, it's 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 it needs work. It needs constant attention. Um, but but I think the benefits are brilliant because all the campuses are hearing the same things. So it just it helps. It it really helps. And then we you know we put multi-campus stuff on um, media and things that help bring it all together. We're currently doing twenty-one days. A prayer and fasting. In fact, I think you're doing that at Icon at the moment. I was talking to Paul a few days ago. So a devotional goes out every morning on one of the things. The theme of our 21 days is closer. So we're talking about being closer to God, closer to our calling, closer to one another, closer to the church. Um, um, and we're kind of doing that, culminating on the 29th, where we're going to have a big worship and prayer night, multi-campus, pull everybody together. And then, uh, and then bring it to a conclusion. So, yeah, we're working on it. We, 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 we. I think, I think as a, a senior pastor, uh, most senior pastors, as you know, are working. We live in a perpetual state of frustration <laughs> that things could be better, um, and that's what I'm always trying to do: get things better. But it's, 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 it's going good, and I think we, we are, we're kind of seventy percent on how I'd, how I would want to run it well, well done mm. so Derek you mentioned there um, just about the fact that you've been in different locations mm. 25 you've mentioned and uh, you've moved into your current location I, I wonder if you could just share with our listeners a little bit about the story of that because obviously it's a little bit different than maybe some churches would do so maybe if you share a little bit about the story what you've got there and I guess around some of the faith that's needed to really make that happen um Okay, we were in a building about 800 metres down the road from where I'm currently sat in the mill. Um, the, our main hall could hold about 350 comfortably. Uh, we had um, an office, some offices, we had some uh, small rooms and we had a bit of a coffee area. It worked brilliantly for us um, till we got to about 300 people on a Sunday. And uh, then it started to creep because we were having... Uh, 90 to 100 children as part of that and we hadn't got the wraparound stuff parking was a bit of a problem um so we were looking for a venue and hadn't found anywhere and then the landlord came to us because we rented the venue and said i've sold the building you've got three months to get out um so we we just couldn't find anywhere we couldn't even find anywhere temporary so we took a huge step of faith and moved into a mill a derelict mill that is um, only about 800 metres away up the road. Um, but it's massive. It's a huge industrial site. And uh, we, we we moved in far too soon. We had no 
electricity when we moved in. We had no flushing toilets when we moved in. We just had a big main hall that was just carpeted. Um, the heating didn't work. It just was such a, um, a a massive, massive, massive challenge to the church. But we knew we had no alternative. So we moved in. We just felt we were maybe getting there. And uh, COVID hit and just took the wind out of our sails. In order to get this new building, we, we, we would have to rely a lot on renting it out for conferences. And uh, that was canned over COVID for a year and a half, which cost us around £400,000 in lost revenue. So you can imagine the incredible challenge um, it was. Um, and so the last couple of years since COVID, we've been building back after that. What the building will give us eventually, and uh, we've got a brilliant coffee shop that's open, that um, loads of people come in from the community every day. That's something that's opened just about eight weeks ago and has been brilliant evangelistic tool. We've opened a community grocery that now we, we have two and a half thousand families registered with us as a church and we feed them on a weekly basis, which is a great blessing. That's brilliant for linking into events um, because they're on our, on our database. So when we have events, we invite them to it. So it's a great way of building to church. We have a kids' clothes bank on site. We have lots of other initiatives that we're doing. Um, we have cap counselling on site. We have life skills courses. We have men's nights, women's nights. We have different things happening during the week. So it's given us a massive venue to grow in, but it will probably be we'll probably be building it for another two or three years yet uh, because the, the size of it is um, immense. If there's any millionaires watching that have loads of loads of money and don't want to do with it, give some to Icon. But then there's a little church up the road called Bolton that we would, we would really like some help with. Yeah, so that's basically where we're at. And I'm sat in it now. Listen, it's a, it, it's, it's a brilliant God-given thing, but it has been incredibly heavy to carry um, because of the finances of it and the, the stress of it. Um, but I just feel deep down, and I have bad days and good days on it, but I just feel deep down this is I've got to push this through. I feel I feel I've got a bit of a gift of faith for it and and I'm holding on to that when I don't when I don't necessarily feel it that God you got us into this, you'll get us through it. Um buildings you know, buildings are buildings, aren't they? They serve the vision. They're not they're not the vision, but they serve the vision. And this building is was derelict for thirty five years and now it's alive with people. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. No, amazing. You met, you mentioned there, obviously, um, some of the challenges that you've faced over the recent years. Um, you mentioned that gift of faith. Have yeah. there been other things that have helped you uh, kind of stay motivated when you've hit those challenges and, you know, even motivating your people around as yeah. well, the, the staff and the teams uh, that are seeing that as well and seeing the struggle with it? Yeah. I think by by nature, I'm a, a, a Bolton lad and we just get on with life. We don't mess about. We get on with it. And I think my nature is you get up and whatever the day is going to be like, you go at it and you get on it and you put your head on the pillow at night and you think, have I, have I, have I made progress today? So that's my, my nature. I know everybody's not wired like me. Um, and so I've had to keep my staff motivated and focused on the vision. So I think that's been a massive thing that if you don't motivate your staff to carry the vision, 
they'll just die in the details and they'll die in the, 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 the quagmire of um of everything that life sucks you in. I did I did a funeral um last week and um it was a, a, a gentleman that died in our church, did his funeral and it was a natural funeral. So he was buried in a woods up on the moors over Bolton. And it was ab absolutely pouring down. So I'm stood at the side of the grave and I've got my wellies on and my suit. My well is about three inches. I'm, I'm in mud. Everybody else is in mud up to the way beyond their shoes. And it's raining. And I just said to the people around the grave, I just said, before we say our final goodbye to Adrian, this is what I want you to do. I want you to look at the mud that you're sinking in. And then I want you to look up and look at the beauty of the trees that in a few months will blossom and flower. And this will be a beautiful, beautiful forest again. And I said, it's like that in life. You know, you can spend all your life gazing at the mud that you're sinking in, or you can lift up your head and look at the potential of what's coming. And I think that's the key responsibility that I'm carrying at the moment is to keep my staff, keep the church motivated in what we're doing, where we're going, and, and not let people just get engulfed in the day-to-day -day church challenges, hassles, programs, budgets, lack of budgets. Uh, because if you just look at that, if you just look at that, your head will go down, you'll lose the vision, and um, yeah. It's important that in in doing, we don't lose the vision. Definitely, yeah. definitely. So, so just thinking of that, Derek. Then, what what are some of the practical things you do, like just to keep the team inspired, to keep the church inspired, amidst the challenges that you're maybe facing? What what practical things can you offer our listeners? I think you've got to tell the story, and you've got to keep telling the story. Um, you know, so you know when when it gets hard and and when we're struggling for finance and when we're, you know, maybe stuff is challenging in the church, you know, to keep reminding that we're feeding two and a half thousand families a week. They're coming to the church for help. They're not going to Bolton Council because they can't help them. They're coming to God's church for help. Um, so we tell that story. Um, you know, we tell the story of our youth that's growing and growing and growing. We have a, a youth club in Bolton run by a, a private organisation that have a multi-million pound turnover that don't reach them at the young people that we're reaching. Uh, and we've got a youth pastor that's employed two days a week. So you tell the stories. You tell the stories of how many is getting baptised, how many people are engaging with the church. You know, um, during lockdown, we bought a new building for our Blackpool campus. They were meeting in a hotel. And because of lockdown, a, a church came up for sale um, and we bought it. So even in all the trials, there's some great breakthroughs. And I think what you've got to keep doing is you've got to keep um, giving the headlines what God is doing, keep telling the stories, keep modelling people who are getting their breakthroughs and help people keep believing, keep attached to the vision um, and, and so people don't drown in the process. Yeah, I like that. Uh, amazing, like amazing. It. So you mentioned that you've been in... Uh... You've been in ministry for a few years, Derek, and um, you know you're only 29, so yeah. you've done a, a few years. <laughs> um, but uh, like most leaders, and you mentioned it there in terms of the building, but I guess over the span of your leadership, you've had moments where it's been exhilarating. You've been on kind of the mountaintop, and then also times where it's not been so great. And um, so, uh, like just thinking of your leadership journey, what what would you uh, want to know? 
uh, back then that, you know, like at the start of your journey that you know now that, you know, someone who's starting out on this leadership journey, maybe starting a church or being a campus pastor, whatever it might be, what would you uh, wish you knew back then that you know now? I think, I think the nature of faith is, is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. And I think the nature of faith um, is always risk. The nature of faith is always believing what we can't see and being sure, uh, you know, um, of what our hopes are. If I if I was talking to me when I launched out back in ministry, I'd be saying, "Listen, pal, it's going to be okay. You've just got to keep going. You you've got to you you see the promises of God over a lifetime, not over a, a fifteen minutes. You know, some people want the promises of God over two weeks. Um, it's it's taken me 37 years of ministry to see the promises of God on some things. So I'd say play play long haul. Don't, don't do quick fix. There's no such thing as a quick fix in the kingdom. Um, and, you know, and I think planning churches is, is, is long haul thinking. They're, you know, they're long, they're going to outlive us. Uh, they're going to be thriving when I've gone. Um and so I, I think I would just put courage and faith in people, um, and not um, not to be so focused on timescales. Um, you know, of we've got to have this by next week. I think God's God's got a timescale all of His own, and and God wants things done that are strong. He wants things done that are resilient. Um, so I just think I'd say, I'd, I'd probably say something like this. Slow down, enjoy the journey, smell the coffee, try not to get frustrated. Uh, it's all going to be okay. You've just got to keep getting up, keep doing the right things, keep believing God, keep loving the people, keep your heart right before God. Don't, don't drift into frustration or manipulation or trying to get your own way. Just trust God and keep going. Great. Great answer, that. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So so just thinking of um, some of the stuff you do with younger leaders, how, how do you prepare them for ministry? What, what are you doing for those? Maybe not just younger leaders, but maybe leaders coming through in your setting. How are you getting them ready for what they're about to do? Whether it's, uh, you know, in a paid role or whether it's in a volunteer role. Yeah. It's funny, you know, I, I've had a bit of a, probably the last couple of years, I've had a bit of a slight switch in my thinking on this. Um, I now think you cannot make somebody a leader that God hasn't made a leader. You, you can only hone what God is doing. It's like preachers. I, you know, I've done preaching courses for 30 years. I'm at the point now where I can't make anybody a preacher. I can, if somebody's got a gift, I can help them hone it. But it's either, it's either a gift God has given you or it's not. And, and that's where I've come to. Um, so I think for our, our young leaders or any leader that's aspiring, I would want to see their level of faithfulness in what they're doing in the local church. I want to see them loving God and his house and his people. I'd want to see them doing it for free before we ever go near a salary. I'd want to see them giving and serving and praying. And then after that, when I observed that, I would probably invite them to come alongside Moros as a church to come to some special events that we put on uh, for leaders to tease the stuff out of them. I would spend some time with them and say, what kind, what kind of leader are they? 
What's their, you know, what do I think their capacity is? Are they leaders of tens or fifties or hundreds or thousands? You know, what are their primary gifts? I think what I'm quite good at, there's loads of things I'm not good at, guys, believe you me, but one of the things I'm quite good at is I don't beat people up for what they're not. So some of my campus pastors, um, you know, I won't give any names, but one of, you know, some of my campus pastors, they are pastor teachers and they love pastoring people and teaching the word. They're not visionaries. They're not evangelists. And I'm not going to beat them up because that's what they're not. I'm going to celebrate what they are and realise that's a gift they're bringing to the church. I've other, I've other campus pastors that are very evangelistic, um, you know, very get out there. They would leave the 99 to go for the one. Uh, but I'm not going to beat them up because they may not do the best discipleship pastoral structure. I, 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 I try and find out what people are and try and help them be better at what they are. I think you can... You can always give attention to your weaknesses, but your weaknesses are always probably going to be your weaknesses. So we're not going to spend our life working on our weaknesses. We're going to spend the best part of our life soaring with our strengths. And and I will give attention to our weaknesses as long as they're not moral. If they're moral weaknesses, then that needs that needs attention. But if they're just things like they're not really good at admin, well, let's teach them, give them a basic you know, admin lesson. But let's not, you know, try and make them the administrator of the year. Let them fly with what they're gifting at. So I think it's about identifying, pulling alongside, listening to them, finding out what their hopes and dreams are, and then trying to steer them in a process. You know, we're not here to make everybody the same. You know, leadership training is not, you know, it's not a sausage factory where we're producing. Everybody looks the same, sounds the same, acts the same. But we're trying to help people find their genius. Um, and, you know, you, you guys at Icon, you guys know there's you've got lots of different people and some people are genius in one area and pretty poor in another. And that's OK. That's OK. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, no, really good. Uh, just thinking on that, obviously, you um, not. You know, I love the the thought of you don't beat people up for what they're not. Mm. And, uh, you know, thinking, you know, you just gave the example of some of your campus pastors. Would you then be intentional on who surrounds them in terms of that? Uh, so, you know, you example someone who's a great pastor teacher. Well, then when there's, you know, some big invite evangelistic event that they're looking to do would that then be intentional as a church to go okay and this is the person who's going to come and speak at it or do whatever yeah um absolutely so you know the guy who leads one of the campuses who's very evangelistic but um not not really incredibly biblically literate i've uh, helped him by booking him on to some academic training um, in the in the area of biblical literacy, um, so just to help them, I also their teams that we're developing around them. We try and get them the kind of people that they're not to work with them, so the team and them can help them. But equally, I mean, we're just doing something creative at the moment because several of our campus pastors, or two of our campus pastors, are nearing retirement now, and we also want to open some new campuses. So. Um, what I've done is uh, on the 4th of Feb, I'm doing a campus pastors recruitment day. I've put it on social media and I've just thrown it open and said, come and spend a day with us. If you're interested in ministry, whether it's now or sometime in the future, 
whoever you are, from whatever background, single or married, if you want to just come and spend a day with us learning about what we do, what Kings is, um, yeah, let you know, come and spend a day and, and we'll see where that takes us. And I've done it kind of just to see, you know, does God want to bring anybody to us that may be out there that I've not recognised? And uh, it's really interesting because the, 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 some of the people that booked in are quite interesting. Um, and I'm wondering if God is bringing people to us for our some of our new campuses that we want to launch and also some replacing some of the uh, pastors that are in the next 12, 18 months are going to retire. So we're just open to what God wants to do and open to the people God wants to bring to us. And at the end of that, because I think there's you know going to be 20, 30 people there, uh, I may say, you know, you, we're going to keep you in our thoughts, but it's not your time. I suppose it's a bit like a football academy where we're just throwing the gates open and we're going to say, you know, you're not ready for the first team, but we're going to put you in the second team and we're going to monitor you. Or, you know, you, you, you're not really ready yet. You need to really work on your fitness or you need to work on your athleticism or whatever it is in the context of ministry. But we're going to keep our eye on you and we're going to help you to possibly to possibly get there. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're up to. We, I'm at the I'm at the stage in my ministry where I'm prepared to give a few things a go, um, and and say I've not done this like this before. I've been a lot more deliberate before, but I'm just going to throw it open and see if God's going to bring us some wild card relationships that that we can adopt into our family and become integral to what we're doing at Kings. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. That, and, and maybe a little bit of, as you say, Derek, a little bit innovative. Maybe some people haven't tried it that way before. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on, on the fourth of Feb, and who turns up, and how yeah. that works out. Uh, just think, just thinking of even for yourself. Then, obviously, you've talked about some of your campus pastors that are certain needs. They're thinking of stepping back or retiring at some point. Well, what about for you then? As you're um, maybe thinking of the future. I'm being careful of what I say here because <laughs> I don't want to say you're, you're exiting tomorrow. But as you think of the future, like what's the legacy you want to leave and how are you preparing to hand on what you've done to somebody else? Because it's got to be handover at some point. So may not be next week, next year, but you've, it's got to be in your mind. So I wonder if you could share, just share a little bit about that because it, it does seem to be a big issue with a lot of churches at the minute. They've no one to replace them. They're not thinking about it. And uh, not just here in the UK, but across the world, people are facing this issue. So, were you with that? I think it, I think it is a big issue, and classically in our country, particularly, but I think in lots of places in the world, what's happened is a church, a church has grown uh, because of the leader, and then the leader's left, or the transition hasn't worked, and it's come undone. And we got to we've got to do better than that. We've got to have consistent regarding the change of leadership, consistent growth. And that's why I think in this country we've no significant, probably one or two in London, but no numerically significant churches. Um, you know, we think a big church is a couple of thousand. Well, there's 65 million people in our country. So, you know, um, we, we need to start thinking about churches in the tens of thousands um, in, in, you know, in, in all over. I think I've always tried and the future will find out how successful I've been, but understanding that the church is not my personal business. I started it. I was the first one to give in the offering. I was the first one to preach on a Sunday, but this isn't my church. 
This is God's church. It doesn't belong to me. It's not my personal business. I. It's another man's bride that he has entrusted me with. Um, there was a day when I started it and there will be a day where I step out of it and give it to another man or another woman. And I think I'm okay with that. Um, I think what you've got to do, I, I've tried to keep myself fresh. I've tried to keep myself um, useful to the kingdom of God so that when the day comes where I think I don't want to do this anymore or I want to change my role, um, then I'm still useful to the kingdom of God. I I run the Northwest area for Assemblies of God. So I cover 66 churches in the kind of Greater Manchester, Merseyside area. And so I'm kind of coordinating um, the, the AOG for those 66 churches. So that's been a good outlook for me. But at the end of the day, I'm a local church man and I want to build God's house. I have, um, I'm 57. I'm, I'm going to do this for as long as God asks me to do it. I think what I've kind of made a deal with myself is when I'm 60 in three years, I'm going to go to the trustees and I'm going to say, I want you to decide if I'm the man to take this forward. And every year we will, we will have that conversation. Um, and when it comes to the part where either I feel or they feel that I'm not the person to take it forward, then we'll talk about how I step out. I would like, um, I would love to come to a point where we appointed a senior leader and I step into a, a secondary role to serve, whether it's travelling around the campuses, training young leaders, just being the father of the house um, or like a statesman uh, in the house where I can travel a little bit more, uh, maybe do more um, representing kings and helping with funding and things like that. But yeah, I'm I'm up for that. I intend to be preaching and full on till the day I die, whenever that is. Um, but I'm 57. I feel I've got another good 20 years in me. Um, uh, I, but that that won't be 20 years as a senior pastor. Um, I will. I will metamorphosis my role at some point and you know if if the trustees come to me in a few years and say we just think you, you you've lost your edge a bit and we just think like we need to look at somebody else um it's not my church um and i will i will really really consider that and if i think that's the best for kings moving forward um then then that's what's going to happen so, yeah, it's on the radar. We talk about it with my trustees and my team. Um, I'm not, no plans to go yet because I think we're, in quite, we're still in quite a vulnerable position with our new building and some of the commitments we've made. But we won't be there forever. We're going to get to a place of more stability. And I, I, want, I want to hand this over financially but in a really good place, um, numerically. I feel... And, and, you know, don't hold me to this, you know, because goals are goals. They're not written on tablets of stone. But I would like to hand this over at 20 campuses with 4,000 people attending. Um, that's kind of my benchmark. Uh, now, with six campuses with probably 1,100 people attending. So we're a long way off where we need to be. But if, you know, if I retire and there's 18 campuses, well, I had a go. <laughs> I had a go, so I'm not holding myself to it, but it's just kind of a, a kind of a, an idea of what I'd like to do.
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good you're thinking of the yeah, strategy and some of the nuts and bolts of that and even having those conversations because some leaders don't have mm. those conversations, do yeah. they? So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I wonder if we could just finish with a few quick fire yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah let's, let's um, do that. We love, we love our quick fire questions. So Derek, answers, answers have to be quick. You ready? <laughs> what are you most excited and challenged by at the moment? What are I most excited and What in ministry or life generally? Whatever, Whatever you, you want. want. Uh, I'm loving where Bolton Wanderers are at the moment. We're in the semi-final of the Papa John's Trophy. We're in the playoff position, so I'm excited. Um, I'm really... I'm really excited at where we are as a church. I think we're at a very interesting place as a church. We haven't been this route before. There's a lot of there's a lot of projects that are coming into my world. I think, well, that's interesting. So I'm excited about the potential of creative ministry over the next few few years. Yeah, I think those two things are things that are exciting me at the moment. Right. And uh, thinking of your top two book recommendations, what would you recommend people to read outside of the Bible, of course? <laughs> I'm currently reading Emotionally Healthy Discipleship by Pete Kizarro, I think it is. Um, I'm only a few chapters in, uh, but that's a really, really good book. And last night I just started reading a book called Resilience by Mark Benton, but I'm only on the first chapter. So it's basically a study on um, the uh, Timothy, um, uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. So it's a bit early to tell. It's a good start. So those are the two books that I'm currently on with at the moment. Great. What's your favourite meal of choice? Um, that changes depending on my mood. Um, <laughs> I'm a, I do like a good curry. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, there are days I'm in the mood for Chinese. Yeah. Sweet and sour chicken. Yeah. <laughs> and there, I, I, do, I do like a good steak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know... A trip to Millicata occasionally works. Yeah, very me, nice. Um, or, or a good, a good thing. But me and my wife are yeah. foodies, so we like to go out nice. to nice restaurants. That's kind of, that's kind of yeah. what we do. Uh, I don't drink. Um, I don't spend a lot of money on other things uh, recreationally, but we do like to eat out. Great. Yeah, I like that. And uh, final question is, and maybe you've answered this already, is what do you do to stay fresh in life? Um, I. Me and my wife are very, very different. It's a wonder we've been married 32 years, to be honest, and still happy because she's she's quite introvert and will sit with a book and, you know, she's happy with that. She she loves crowds, but she's happier on her own. Where I, I need to do... I, I relax by doing something different, not by doing nothing. If I'm doing nothing, I'm bored. So when we go on holiday, I can't sit by a pool for two weeks. That would just... That, that would be worse than being overworked so um I'm, so for me like sport is a massive release so i go jogging uh occasionally and running um i love watching football i love watching rugby um i like most sports um so sport is a great outlet to me so sometimes i just go on go on to the park and watch amateur football um, I love any level of football, whether it's Premier League, Champions League, or you know the, the Bolton Pub League. I don't really mind. I just like watching sport. I like eating out, uh, relaxing. I like stimulus. I like seeing things. I like walking. I like going to new places. I like travelling uh, and seeing new places. So, yeah, I'm a bit of a doer. So, if I've got a day off, I want to go and do something. I don't want to lie in till dinner 
and then watch Netflix um, all day. That's not really what I, me, you know, um, yeah, I have to do something to keep fresh. And, you know, reading's a great way of keeping fresh. But I am inquisitive as well, and I would say this is an underrated. Keep asking questions. Keep learning. Keep being inquisitive. Keep keep just wanting to know how things work. Keep asking people that, that do stuff. I think the minute we stop asking questions, it's it's the beginning of the end. Yeah. Mm. No, so good. Well, Derek, thanks so much for Brilliant. being on the Church Explained podcast. Yeah, thank uh, you. you can find Derek on uh, social media, Instagram, all, all of that. But also, you'll be able to search King's Church Bolton on the web, and uh, you'll be able to get on the website there to see all that they're doing. That's it for the Church Explained podcast. Just want to remind people that there are loads of resources available at icon.church forward slash open. They are free resources. Uh, and also, wherever you're consuming this content, please subscribe, leave a review, and also share it with people that you know. Uh, will be blessed by this but that's it for this episode of the church explained podcast and we look forward to seeing you next time